Welcome to Murder Minute. On today's episode, the disappearance of Aaron Gilbert. But first, your true crime headlines. A Pennsylvania woman has been charged in the death of her estranged husband, whose body was found wrapped in plastic near the front porch of their Pittsburgh home. Police said that the victim, 53-year-old Derek Davis, had been reported missing last December after relatives hadn't seen or heard from him in two weeks. Three days before Christmas, police went to the home he shared with his wife, 50-year-old Janet Winbush. While waiting for someone to answer the door, they noticed a mound covered with a deflated air mattress near the front steps. According to authorities, the smell of rot and decay prompted them to remove the mattress where they found the victim's body stuffed in garbage bags and wrapped with duct tape. The county medical examiner said that he had a stab wound. Winbush told investigators that she stabbed Davis in self-defense after wresting the knife away from him during an argument. According to police, she said that what happened after that was, quote, a blur, and claimed that she had no idea how he ended up outside. In her phone, police found photos of text messages on the victim's phone, in which he indirectly acknowledged, quote, infidelity or interest in infidelity, according to the criminal complaint. A family member reported that they found blank divorce papers among the victim's personal effects, and a friend of his told police that Davis told him in November that he was contemplating divorce. Winbush remains in custody, pending a preliminary hearing. She is charged with criminal homicide and abuse of a corpse. A dump truck driver who struck a large metal sign on a Cleveland highway last year, causing it to fall on a passing pickup truck and killing the driver, has been indicted on aggravated vehicular homicide charges. According to the indictment, 38-year-old Jason Beard of Cleveland was operating the dump truck recklessly on Interstate 480 when the crash occurred at around 8.30 a.m. on September 24th. Beard had just dropped off a load of sand at a work site on the side of the highway near the state road exit and was merging back onto the roadway with the truck's dump bed still raised. The bed then struck the highway sign that extended over three lanes of traffic. The sign fell on a pickup truck driven by 62-year-old Daniel Repepi, who was traveling in one of the highway's middle lanes. Repepi, the vice president of a funeral home, was alone in his vehicle at the time that he was killed. Authorities in California have now confirmed that 81-year-old Roger Reese Kibbe, the serial killer known as the I-5 Strangler, was strangled to death himself in his prison cell. Kibbe was found unresponsive Sunday in his cell at Mule Creek State Prison, with his 40-year-old cellmate standing nearby. An autopsy confirmed that Kibbe who was convicted of raping and strangling at least seven women, had been manually strangled. His death has been ruled a homicide. 
retired Detective Vito Bertacchini called Kibby's death some fitting justice, adding, quote, I don't wish ill on anyone, but I hope he remembered every one of his victims while he was being killed. So far, no charges have been filed in the death of Kibby. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, Aaron Gilbert. But first, a quick break. Here at Murder Minute, we focus on the facts and skip the chit-chat. But sometimes there's more to the story. Conflicting reports, rumors, theories, unverifiable witness accounts, and more. Now you can join us live every Saturday at 3 p.m. as we dissect and discuss every detail during our weekly Murder Minute post-mortem, only on Stereo. Stereo is a free, live broadcast social platform that enables people to have real conversations in real time. On Stereo, you can ask me questions about the case, tell me your theories, and even suggest stories for future episodes. Murder Minute is excited to offer you this killer new way to interact with us. Join us Saturdays at 3 p.m. for a live Murder Minute postmortem, only on the Stereo app. Download the free Stereo app and select Murder Minute so that you can connect with us whenever we're live. Just go to Stereo.com slash Murder Minute to get started. That's Stereo.com slash Murder Minute. And stay tuned for more details on how to join us on Stereo at the end of today's episode. Welcome back to Murder Minute. On July 1st, 1995, Dave Combs picked up 24-year-old Aaron Marie Gilbert for their first date. Dave was taking Aaron to the annual Girdwood Forest Fair in Girdwood, Alaska. The two had met in June at Chilkoot Charlie's in Anchorage, a bar known to locals as Coots, and exchanged phone numbers. A few days later, he called her, and the two made a date to go to the fair together the next Friday. Aaron was excited. She had moved from San Francisco to Anchorage about a year earlier, and didn't know many people. Aaron lived with her older sister, Stephanie, and her two children. Stephanie's husband, was in the military and was often away, so she persuaded Aaron to come stay with her and the children on Elmendorf Air Force Base. When Aaron came up for a visit, she decided to stay, and Stephanie helped her find work as a nanny. Dressed in black jeans, a black and white striped shirt, black leather jacket, and mountain boots, Aaron went outside to meet her date for the fair. Dave pulled up right on time and was greeted by the whole family. I remember my husband asking him to take off his sunglasses. Stephanie would later recall. I think he wanted to get a good look at him, but it was also a respect thing. After Dave had been introduced to everyone, Aaron climbed into his car and waved goodbye. 
Auntie Erin, you should bring the cell phone, her four-year-old nephew suggested. No, that's okay, Erin chuckled. And the two drove off to the fair. In hindsight, Stephanie said, that cell phone might have saved her life. The drive from Anchorage to the Girdwood Forest Fair took between 45 minutes and an hour. They arrived at around 5 p.m. and were noticed walking around and looking at the various stalls. Aaron was tall, 5 foot 11, athletic and pretty. She had even done some modeling in San Francisco. With her hazel eyes, blue flower chest tattoo, and her dark hair cut into a short, fashionable bob, Erin stood out in a crowd and frequently turned heads. One witness remembers Erin speaking to a vendor at a face-painting stall about tattoos and piercings. Erin was interested in getting her belly button pierced. Erin and Dave were later seen at the fair's beer garden with some of Dave's friends, but the pair didn't stay long. According to Dave Combs, at 6 p.m., after just an hour at the fair, they left. But when they returned to Dave's car, it wouldn't start. Alaska had recently made it a requirement for drivers on the highway to have their car headlights on at all times, even during the endless daylight of the Alaskan summer. Dave had forgotten to turn off the car's headlights when he parked, and the battery was dead. Dave said that he had a friend who lived nearby and told Aaron that he would walk there to get help while she waited with the car. According to Dave, he left Aaron and walked around for two hours looking for his friend's house, but couldn't find it. When he finally gave up and walked back to the fair's parking lot, Aaron was gone. Dave would later tell police that he assumed that she had gotten tired of waiting and went back into the fair. Miraculously, when Dave climbed back into his car and turned the key, this time, it started. Not dead after all. Dave said that he then walked around the fair, searching for Aaron, until 1 a.m. When he couldn't find her, he figured she must have found another way home. I actually thought she might be mad at me, he told the Daily News. I assumed she'd taken off. The next morning, he called the house to check on her. He didn't tell anyone she was missing until he called me at around 7 a.m. the next morning, Stephanie told Dateline. He said he called to make sure Aaron made it home okay. He was very casual about it. But Stephanie panicked. Aaron wasn't there. And it was clear that she had never come home. Stephanie knew something was wrong. This is not like her, Stephanie said. She wasn't the type to stay out all night. And if she did for some reason, I know she would have found a way to call. Realizing that her sister was missing and possibly in danger, 
Stephanie sprang into action. She, her husband, and their children got into the car and immediately made the drive to Girdwood to search the fairgrounds and the surrounding woods for Aaron. When they arrived, Stephanie asked someone on a stage to make an emergency announcement that they were looking for a missing person. They stopped the music and called out Aaron's name on the loudspeakers. But there was no sign of her. Stephanie called the police, but they told her that because Aaron was 24, they would have to wait 48 hours. And it was 4th of July weekend, so they were busy. Stephanie and her family drove home. And for days, no official search effort was made. It was only after Stephanie alerted the local media to her sister's disappearance that the state troopers and the FBI got involved. State troopers organized a large search for Aaron, using helicopters and search dogs to comb through the fairgrounds and the woods surrounding the area. Stephanie called their family to inform them that Aaron was missing, and her father Kurt Gilbert flew to Alaska to help search for his daughter. As they posted missing person flyers, days turned to weeks, and the search found nothing. It was as if Aaron had simply vanished. Detectives interviewed Aaron's family and asked if there was any possibility that she may have left of her own volition. But Stephanie knew that Aaron would never just disappear. Aaron was an intelligent, mature, and responsible young woman. She loved the little girl that she was nannying for. She was saving up her money, and she had plans to start cosmetology school in a few weeks. She was close with her sisters. She would never have run off and not even called them. Dave Combs was cooperative in the initial stages of the investigation and gave several statements to detectives, but refused a polygraph. His account of the events leading up to Aaron's disappearance never varied. With no body and no evidence of foul play, detectives categorized Aaron's disappearance as a missing person case. Even if her body were discovered, they said, it may not mean that she was murdered. Many people die in Alaska after simply getting lost or meeting with some accident in its vast wilderness. Although most people agree that it's unlikely that Aaron would have just wandered off into the woods alone. In September of 1996, Stephanie and her family moved to Washington. But she continued to return to Alaska and has never given up the search for her sister. Today, the case has been assigned to the Alaska State Police Cold Case Unit, and a detective, Lieutenant Randy McFerrin, has been reviewing Aaron's case file, hoping to find something that previous investigators may have missed. We don't know for sure what happened, 
if this was foul play or not, we just don't know," McFerrin said. "We don't have any eyewitnesses, and we don't have any human remains. We don't have a crime scene. We don't have much of anything, so it's going to be very hard. But somebody knows something." In 2017, Aaron's family raised a $35,000 reward for information on the case leading to an arrest. But so far, there are no new suspects. We all have friends and family that go on a first date, Stephanie said. But generally, they come home. Someone doesn't just walk into the Girdwood Forest Fair and disappear. Somebody probably saw something. Although witness accounts do confirm that Erin made it to the fair safely, she was seen in the fairgrounds with Dave. Detectives have found no witnesses who saw Dave during the two hours that he claims that he was walking around looking for his friend's house, or when he returned to the fair to search for Erin. According to police, Dave Combs is not a suspect. But they do still have some questions they would like to ask him. Unfortunately, he's not interested in answering them. Dave hasn't spoken to investigators or press about the case in years, nor has he had any contact with Aaron's family. McFerrin has made multiple attempts to speak with him, but Dave has not returned any of his phone calls. He's the last person to see her, as far as we know," Lieutenant McFerrin said. He gave a few initial statements when she disappeared, but we want to talk to him again. That's all. We don't think she's alive," Stephanie said. But she deserves justice. If Erin Gilbert is alive today, she would be forty-nine years old. As of the airing of this episode, Erin has been missing for twenty-five years, seven months, and fourteen days. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Stereo at Murder Minute. Join us this Saturday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for a postmortem of one of this week's episodes. Hear more about the case. Tell us your theories. Ask questions and more. Only on Stereo. Stereo app users can engage with the platform to listen in, seek out topics, and join conversations about issues and ideas that interest them, like comedy, pop culture. Lifestyle, sports, and of course, true crime. Stereo can be downloaded for free by Apple and Android users. Once you've downloaded the app, create your avatar and profile so that you can send me audio messages in real time. Join us as we unpack the case live every Saturday at 3 p.m. Pacific. Our weekly murder minute postmortem is only on Stereo. Download Stereo free. And get started at www.stereo.com/murderminute. That's s-t-e-r-e-o.com/slash 
Murder Minute.